Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in, everybody. A jam-packed Friday edition of Sports Daily coming your way. We will make picks today with Paul Savage. We welcome in Trey Wingo today to talk a little NFL. Perfect timing with some massive NFL news happening uh, late last night. We'll get into that in just a little bit and more with Trey Wingo later in the show. Uh, it's the last week of the high school football season. Fridays are nuts. We've got a big KU game. We've got a big K-State game. We've got a big Chiefs game. Tommy, we got to get it all in today. Welcome in. How are you doing this morning? Man, a lot going on. I know we say it every single day this time of year, but it is busy. A big-time bombshell blockbuster trade late last night. Uh, there's just a lot to get to. There is. You've got the, uh, the Major League Baseball playoffs in LCS continues tied at one game apiece. So it's all out there for you. 869-1240 is the number to call. Hour number one will be the easier time to get through on the phone lines. Uh, again, 869-1240. Jad Chambers producing for us. Tommy, we get Thursday night football, and we get good Thursday night football, which is uh, always fun and handy and refreshing and entertaining. And, you know, hey, we got points, right? Let's count that as a big win. And the Cardinals take care of... The Saints behind a couple of big defensive plays, um, big, uh, you know, pick sixes, just like sort of back-to-back. Um, you have a little drama with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury sort of getting it in, getting into it on the sidelines. Um, Murray trying to take that down a notch a little bit after the, you know, after the game. It's uh... – <laughs> This Kyler Murray situation has been fascinating. But the Cardinals get a big win and a win they needed. Uh, but we get points. Most importantly, Tommy, we get points on a Thursday night. Yeah, how great was that? And I, I don't have any concern at all with the Kyler Murray-Cliff Kingsbury situation. In fact, I like it. You know, I, I, I like that um, that passion on the sideline, right? I like them jawing back and forth because I feel like that's what, that's what Kyler Murray should be doing. You know, if he's yeah. the franchise long-term quarterback – for this Cardinals team, 
he absolutely needs to take charge. And uh, and he knows. And in fact, more, there's uh, I think there's a pretty solid chance that he will outlast Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm totally OK with him doing that. And, you know, if it provides a, a spark for the team, like we don't ever say a word when Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers do that sort of thing. So I don't have a problem with with Kyler Murray doing it either. No, it's interesting to see it with his head coach. I mean, the narrative with Kyler Murray since he signed the deal was he doesn't put in the work off the field. Uh, that, you know, that with weird language in the contract and, you know, people have insinuated he loves video games more than football. All the things that have gone into it. So, and you can sense frustration there. I, you know, I, th- I thought offensively last night they didn't look bad. That was, you know, they looked better certainly than they had last week um, and better than they had in some other weeks. Kyler Murray was efficient, if nothing else, and they were able to run the ball. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, by the way, welcome back. 10 catches, 103 yards. But Arizona was fine. You know, the Saints gained almost 500 yards of offense in that game. Now, they were playing from behind for a large part of it because of those two pick sixes, and Andy Dalton threw three interceptions overall. But... You know, I thought offensively, I don't know that it would have been a game where I came out of it and said, oh, no, Arizona needs to panic. So I don't read too much into that sideline chatter either other than, you know, Cliff Kingsbury has been frustrated with Kyler Murray. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we've heard in the offseason, that's that, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is going to very likely lose his job at some point. And if he doesn't think Kyler Murray's given him 100 percent, that frustration's coming out. And it, I, maybe that's all it was. But. It sounds like it wasn't that big a deal, and I'm with you. I liked seeing it. I like seeing it from both of those guys, both Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, a little passion, a little fire, uh, because maybe people feel like uh, those two guys don't have that enough. But, you know, so this game is happening, Tommy, last night, and then the bombshell drops out of Carolina with Christian McCaffrey, and he's traded, and it is a haul to get him for San Francisco, not a haul in terms of what we've seen, you know, traded in the NFL in the last couple of years between quarterbacks and guys like Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, but for a running back with injury concerns, this was a haul for the 49ers, I mean, uh, for the Panthers. So the 49ers take a big swing for the fences. I cannot think of a better marriage than Kyle Shanahan and Christian McCaffrey. So you get it from their perspective. And for the Panthers, I mean, the rebuild's on, right? Like, here they go. They're going to tear it down. And it'll be really interesting to see what other pieces move out of Carolina. I love it. And, you know, the Panthers, I think it works out well for them, too. I mean, they get a second-round pick next year, a third-round pick next year, and a fourth-round pick next year. So it's not like they have to uh, extend that rebuild out a long time. Now they do get a fifth-rounder in 2024, but they get an opportunity to start picking right away, like next season. And, uh, you know, they were able to get some draft picks for Robbie Anderson also. And I think the fire sale continues. They've got other pieces that they, they'd like to move. And if they can come away with a significant number of draft picks, um, that's a win for them long term. I, I really believe that. Now, Christian McCaffrey, we know when he's healthy, what he can do. We know how big of an impact player. I mean, he's the probably um, one of maybe the top two running backs in the NFL. Him and Jonathan Taylor win healthy. And so I think the fact that the 49ers bring him on board and they've had I, I saw this last night after Frank Gore left the 49ers. The Niners have had a different leading rusher 
every single year for the last five seasons. And so this brings, assuming he stays healthy, a little bit of consistency to the 49ers run game and adds a, a pretty dynamic piece to the offense when you think of they've, they still have Debo Samuel. They still have Brandon Ayuk. They've got George Kittle. Like, they've got weapons offensively. And you know what? I think that Jimmy Garoppolo, um, you know, at least for the rest of this season, we know what he can do also. We know that he wins games. And I think that this takes a lot of the pressure off of his shoulders and it allows Christian McCaffrey to be the focal point of that offense. And so I think that that's a, a solid thing for a, a team led by Jimmy Garoppolo and for the team to make a deep run in the playoffs this season. Kyle Shanahan, and I agree with this sentiment, is considered one of the better coaches offensively in football right now, just a really dynamic and innovative offensive coach. A lot of what he's been able to do over the years has predicated on, you know, the creativity of the run game. Christian McCaffrey is going to allow a lot of that, and he's going to allow, you know, the ability to not come off the field and become a weapon in the passing game. And like all of the things that we know he can do. The only risk here for the Niners is is a recent injury history for McCaffrey. So, you know, stylistically, great fit. Player, great fit. I totally get it for the 49ers. You know, it's interesting what what the perspective or the narrative is with the Niners. You either think that they're a Super Bowl contender or you don't. And they, you know, they just got doubled up by Atlanta. I get it. But you know, the defense was missing, I think, 80% of the starters or something last week. If the Niners are healthy, and I know that's a big if in the NFL, but relatively speaking, it's funny to me that people write them off. Like, oh, they'll never do anything with Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, yeah, except go to a Super Bowl and go to the NFC Championship game that they probably should have won, like, what, last year? Yeah. So, like, they look, they're, they're really good, and... All of the things, like, think about all of the stuff with with Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason and trying to hand the, the reins off to Trey Lance. Well, they kept Jimmy G around after it was all said and done. And, you know, at the time, and I remember, you know, at the time this was all going down and maybe even at the time they decided to bring him back, I can't remember, but I did one of the national shifts on CBS Sports Radio and people just, you know, they're, People rail on Jimmy G. Like, it's it's a coast-to-coast -coast thing, and I don't get it. They made a move to Trey Lance because Jimmy G can't ever stay on the field, right? Like, if, if you could guarantee that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't going to miss games due to these weird little injuries, I don't think the 49ers ever would have been in the Trey Lance business in the first place. So they're fine with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's taken them to a Super Bowl. He's taken them to... Multiple playoff wins in multiple years. They're loaded with skill players now, especially with McCaffrey. And we know when healthy, that defense is a really, really good defense. I don't know why people think it was outrageous that the Niners would take a risk like this. Now, whether they gave up too much or not, that's a different conversation. That's always a different conversation. But to not consider the Niners contenders before or after this trade, to me, is silly. I absolutely think the Niners could go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. I thought that before they made this trade. I definitely think it after this trade. Yeah, I think the one concern that I have 
with the 49ers is their window of opportunity is fairly small. And the reason for that is because not only did they give up draft picks in this trade to get Christian McCaffrey, but don't forget, they gave away some draft picks to trade up and get Trey Lance. And so they, you know, they, they don't have a lot to work with in the years to come. Now they, they can always get that back. They can always, you know, make more trades and, and who knows if that's what they're going to want to do or not, but they're in it right now. They're all in right now. Uh, for this season, next season. I mean, they, like this is what they're doing. Um, they're not looking three, four, five years down the road. They're looking right now with Jimmy Garoppolo and with Christian McCaffrey now and those other skilled players that they've got. Like they want to get back. And this leads me to another point that I think kind of, it might shift the conversation away slightly from the trade itself and look at it as it relates to the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit. So I believe that this trade is potentially bad for the Kansas City Chiefs in two different ways. Number one is simply if Christian McCaffrey is available to play on Sunday. And we'll talk about that. We'll get into that later. And what kind of impact McCaffrey could have on the field that could potentially be bad for Kansas City. We'll see. But number two, I think, is a little bit more um, notable as far as a negative for Kansas City. I think, my opinion only, that this trade hurts the Chiefs' chances to get Odell Beckham Jr., the reason I say that is because this is now an arms race in the NFC West, and it wouldn't surprise me. I, I saw a report last night that the Rams were fairly close to trading for Christian McCaffrey. They didn't get him. The 49ers did. If I'm the Rams, I'm backing up the truck to bring Odell Beckham back to L.A. this season because of that trade that brought Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. So who knows if that'll happen or not, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit if the offer that the Rams give Beckham another, they give him another offer. He wasn't happy with the original one. If they offer him more money to bring him back to LA could be potentially bad for Kansas city. Yeah. The Rams were in on McCaffrey and they, they've got to get a running back. The cam whatever happened with cam Akers, right? I, I don't know. I think Odell Beckham is going to go where he wants to go. I don't know whether this hurts because I, I don't – I mean, how much money do the Rams have to spend? I, I don't – and I don't know the answer to that. Like, as somebody if – they, if they're going to come in and overpay for Odell, I suppose. But I, I kind of feel like Odell's just going to pick his spot, right? Like, where do I want to go play? And I don't know either. Here's what I th – and, you know, we've talked about it a billion times – and not necessarily for the Chiefs in general, but just for the entirety of the league. I wonder what this, because it, it you'd have to think right now DJ Moore gets traded. And so when we see the haul for McCaffrey, it just makes me wonder, like, okay, so if that's the haul for McCaffrey, what's the haul for DJ Moore? Um, because they gave up, what did they give up? They gave up a second a, round a pick, second, third a round third, pick, a fourth, fourth round pick. And, and a, a fifth, fifth in 2024. Yeah. So it, the equivalent basically of a first round pick is the way I've read it. Like that, you know, this was, they, they felt like this was the equivalent of a first for Christian McCaffrey, a second, a third, a fourth and a fifth. Um, I don't think DJ Moore will cost that, but I, I think, I think you're probably creeping into the territory of it, at least costing you a second. And that may, that's interesting. Are there any teams right now that feel like they need because and and how this relates to Odell is I think teams have to evaluate where which direction they'd rather go. Teams that feel like they're a wide receiver away. And I don't know how many of those teams there are by the way. Uh, the Chiefs would be one of them. 
but we'd really have to rack our brains to to think about like okay well who thinks that they're that close that they could bring a guy like that in the ravens i've heard make some sense right the chiefs um i mean there's i think the packers make some sense i think the packers make sense i think the chargers make a little bit of sense right now quite frankly um, I, so I think there are some real contenders that could be in the market for a receiver. So what you'll have to have happen now is teams evaluate like, okay, well, do we just go rent a guy like o- OBJ that just cost us money but is coming off of significant injury and is older, right? Or do you go acquire a young, talented receiver that's going to cost you draft capital and is under uh, you know, not a cheap contract by any means? So I don't know what, and I don't know what the better option is. It's it'll be interesting to see how teams do that. But I think that when Carolina makes a move like this, it could really like shake up the market a little bit, which is going to be really fun and interesting to watch. And we'll see. Carolina on the other side, real quick before we take a break. I mean, it makes sense, right? The Baker Mayfield project didn't work out. That was sort of the last effort of this current uh, making of the Panthers. Right, they moved on from Matt Rule. It didn't work out with Bake, so you know what? Let's just get what we can because, and and it makes sense too. Like Christian McCaffrey was not ever going to help the Panthers win a significant football game. They're not good enough, and he is an you know an aging running back. Um, DJ Moore's probably going to be in that same boat. Like, is do you really think DJ Moore four or five years from now when Carolina is going to you know potentially be back in that mix, even be there in the first place? So they're going to trade a lot of stuff away here. And they there, there's a there's a, a map a roadmap right we saw Miami did this same thing well, I don't even know what year it was not that long ago and they've clearly rebuilt her and and boom they feel like they're Super Bowl contenders I don't know that that's true but they're close that's where they are that's where they think they are um, Houston has started the process and is further along in the process I think than most people thought at least than I thought Jacksonville sort of the same way. Like, this strategy for teams has worked in recent history in the NFL. So for Carolina, that makes a ton of sense, man. You just get as many draft picks as you can. You draft as many players as you can. And just, you know, if you do well in the draft, it's not that long a period of time before you can turn it around. It's not easy because you got to get the draft picks right. But the chances are decent based on what we've seen in recent years. Right. And I, I believe, too, that, um, you know, if that prediction comes true where the Rams do everything in their power to bring back Odell Beckham now that uh, the 49ers have Christian McCaffrey, then you look at a DJ Moore potentially from Carolina that Brett Veach might say, hey, maybe it is worth trying to bring him in. Maybe it is worth trying to trade a couple of draft picks for that. And you you wonder what that price tag is. And you wonder if that's the right move. Because as we, we've talked about it all week, we've talked about how um, you know it's important for Kansas City if they want to try to get a, a true number one wide receiver at the trade deadline, uh, that they, they do it in a smart way. And I think Brett Veach will. But that's why we liked Odell Beckham, because he had the opportunity to not, you don't have to you know give up draft picks or anything. You literally just pay him. Um, but that might not be a possibility any, anymore. So you have to look at if you want a true number one like a DJ Moore, now that you know what the price tag is on Christian McCaffrey, what does that look like to bring a DJ Moore potentially over to Kansas City? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Elijah Moore uh, is wanting out of New York, and he's another young, really talented receiver that 
for whatever reason, feels like he's getting phased out. Um, that's another guy, by the way. And now he's on a cheap contract. That's another guy I'd love to see the Chiefs make a run at. Elijah Moore's really, really good. Like, he is a very talented guy. So it, I, I think all of this tells us that we can ask Trey Wingo about this later, that it's going to be a really fun NFL trade deadline. All right, we're going to take a quick break, 869-1240. we got a lot to get to here uh, on the show today. We'll talk a little bit about the Chiefs and the Niners um, and try to get just a little before we make our picks, try to get a little uh, insight and prediction into what we think of KU and K-State this weekend as well. Eric Wedge news uh, that we'll get to right after we come back. We'll get you the latest there with Wichita State Baseball. It's all coming up for you on Sports Daily. I haven't got all day. 869-1240. Time to get busy. This is Sports Daily on KFH. journey did you see journey tommy coming to wichita journey and toto it's like April i think those 8th, tickets I want to go on sale today i need to get in on that i i'm i gotta go to that i gotta i gotta figure that out i gotta get over there uh hopefully that's not a quick sellout because probably should have paid more attention um all right tommy interesting news out of wichita state baseball uh eric wedge stepping away for what's been called personal health-related issues. Um, Lauren Hibbs is going to take over, who certainly has plenty of uh, head coaching experience. Kevin Saul and the release sent out said he didn't know um, what the long-term leadership plans were for Wichita State baseball. So, you know, I don't know what any of that means. I mean, first and foremost, we, you know, well wishes to Eric Wedge, and we hope everything's okay there. Um, we're not going to get a lot of details on that. We're not going to ask for a lot of details on that at this point. But he's stepping away for the personal health reasons. Um, they're making Hibbs the guy for now. And I don't know what that means for the long term. I just, it was interesting to me to not see, you know, something about, you know, Wedge will be the head guy when he's ready to come back. I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't get that indication from any of the language there, but. Uh, Wichita State baseball now, as we are not aren't really you know close to the start of the season, but you know work begins. We'll do it in a different way as as Wedge is stepping away, at at least for now, and maybe for for long term too. Yeah, who knows? And it, it's not fair to to speculate long term. Um, you know, when it is health related, who knows? Um, so I think all we can do really is is send our well wishes to Eric Wedge, uh, Lauren Hibbs. Though for anybody that is. Um, you know, concerned about the the prospects of Shocker baseball moving forward, at least in the short term. Lauren Hibbs has a lot of experience. He led UNC Charlotte for 27 years, so he knows what he's doing. Um, he, he's been a, a collegiate head baseball coach for a long time, so he knows what he's doing. Um, I would imagine that the program is in great hands moving forward. But yeah, definitely, um, definitely a bummer uh, for Eric Wedge and. 
you know, thoughts go out to him. Thoughts go out to his family. You know, during this time, we don't know what's going on. Um, and, and like you mentioned, we probably won't. But um, yeah, I, I think from a from a baseball perspective, from a baseball viewpoint, um, I think things will will probably move forward um, as expected with Shocker Baseball. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. We will uh, we will uh, keep our ear to that and let you know if there are any developments in that uh, story. Okay. Uh, Tommy, it's a big football weekend. We're going to get to some of the analysis in our picks, but we, we'll spend a little more time with it here while we have the time. Let's start with the Chiefs. Uh, we see the Niners make the trade last night. I have no idea if that means he could play on Sunday. I mean, what are the chances there? Because that would change a lot, although he wouldn't obviously have the full playbook at his disposal. I wonder if he can't get there and become a factor in that game plan for this week. I, I would think that he can, and I would think if you're the Niners, there is some urgency to get that done. Yeah, I think so, for sure. And I believe it was Aaron Rappaport uh, who said that he was uh, more than likely— I mean, he's already on his way to San Francisco right now. Um, so I would imagine that he's probably— flying cross country as we speak um, and we'll plan on meeting his coaches and teammates and all of that today. Uh, but there are reports that he's going to try to at least be available to do something. You know, he'll start learning the playbook. Wouldn't surprise me if he already has it, you know, as he's, you know, flying across the country, kind of studying uh, what they're going to do. But I would imagine that it would be a limited package if he is available. Um, I've seen reports uh, that it could be a, a potential like red zone or goal or goal line situation package that they put him in for, at least for this first week, there will be a ramping up process. Absolutely. There will be. Um, and so it, that that's what makes this game super difficult now is that you don't know his availability and you don't know what Kyle Shanahan is going to be comfortable putting him in during this game. Um, and so I, I think at that point it's kind of up in the air. It is. I, I, I don't know even how much he impacts what I think about this game either. Um, probably not a ton. I saw the line move on BetMGM this morning, um, which is where I, you know, every Friday morning I, I check all those lines to make our picks. Um, and what did we what did we get him at? Uh, Tommy, I'm just going to look back real quick. I think it moved down to two. Yeah, so the line moved back. Yeah. Down to two, which goes into some of what Chelsea Messenger, our betting insider, was telling us yesterday that something stinks about this line because most of the money is going to the Chiefs, yet the line is favoring the Niners. It's almost like the books are baiting us to bet the Chiefs, which we've seen this before, right? We saw this in the Colts week, and that's that's really interesting to see that, you know, to see it go that way. And I'm trying to find, you know, where is the reason that would happen? And and I'm, you know, when we when we look at this game and try to break it down, the Chiefs' inability to stop the run and give up big plays to wide receivers certainly doesn't help because the Niners love to run the ball, and they have two guys that can make big plays at receiver, right? So, in that sense, I get it. I just don't. It's the health of the Niners' defense that is like everything in this game, right? Are they getting all of the players back that they were missing last week to injury? That That's the question because they got doubled up by the Falcons. And not that the Falcons, the Falcons are certainly not a pushover. Arthur Smith has done just an unbelievable job there. Um, 
But are they getting all these guys back? Like, I just, Eric Armstead didn't practice yesterday. Um, Traverius Ward didn't practice yesterday. A lot of the other guys, though, Trent Williams looks like he's going to go. Jimmy Ward looks like he's been practicing. Nick Bosa has been practicing just a little bit. He's the big one, obviously. So, you know, maybe they do get a lot of these guys back, and it's that, too. Um, that, you know, the, the Niners defense when healthy is one of the best units in football, and maybe they will get that much healthier than they were a week ago. Yeah, the Falcons really dominated the 49ers on the ground. 40 carries, 168 yards um, on the ground, and the defensive line was not good for the 49ers last week. So that's going to be a big uh, it's going to be a big test against uh, Kansas City. And we've we've known and we've seen some of the struggles that the Chiefs offensive line has had this season. Um, but I do believe that they're trending upwards a little bit. And so um, that's going to be a really intriguing matchup. And really, it's going to be interesting to me to see how often Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid want to run the ball. And there's it's not been a super effective run game. At least it wasn't last week uh, against the Bills. Clyde edwards Lair had nothing going. Uh, Jarek McKinnon had nothing going. Isaiah Pacheco couldn't get anything going. So, but that's where the 49ers defense has been vulnerable is stopping the run. And so that's going to be intriguing for me to see if that's something that the Chiefs can take advantage of and if they can get their running backs going. Yeah, God, I, I don't know. This is one that it just feels weird. I mean, I'm I, look, hey, we'll get to it in the pit. I'm going to take the Chiefs. I, I'm going to bite here. I, and, and it's it's less about in this one matchup to me than it is like the factor of the Chiefs just lost to the Bills. Uh, they feel like that was a game they could have won. I, I think that all of the things, you know, it, it, I get it. Like, what's the under? And I haven't even looked at this. The under is probably a, a good play here, right? Because I, if, if the Chiefs, if the run game is what has hurt the 49ers the Chiefs aren't going to run the ball right they're not all of a sudden going to gash anybody I don't think in the run game so the over under in this game is at 49 points if we know that the Niners are susceptible to the run if we know that the Chiefs can't run the ball and we know that the Niners are good defensively I mean Maybe the under is the play in that game. I don't know. But what I do know is I'm not going to bet on the Chiefs to lose two games in a row. And I, I just, it's not a situation where the Niners are this more talented juggernaut, right? Like, even if the Chiefs play it ugly like they did against the Colts. The Chiefs played ugly against the Colts and made a bunch of special teams mistakes to lose that game. If they just play ugly and don't make special teams mistakes, right? They're fully capable of winning this game, I would think. I think so too. It, it, you know the 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 mistakes on the field, the um, you know any kind of, of penalties uh, that's going to come into play, absolutely. But I wonder about you know we talk about the the run stopping abilities from the 49ers perspective. I also wonder about it from the chiefs perspective and yeah. whether or not Christian McCaffrey is available. You know, I, I think that's, I don't want to say it's a moot point, but that's not even the most important thing. It's just overall, how can Kansas city stop the run there? You know, we know how creative Kyle Shanahan is running the football with Debo Samuel. And then of course he's got Jeff Wilson and you know, some of these other guys um, keep in mind and don't forget Willie Gay jr. Returns for Kansas city this week. And so how, up to speed will he be um how effective will he be 
And will we still see the effectiveness of guys like Nick Bolton with Willie Gay Jr. back? And are they are they able to be a complete run-stopping unit at this point uh, coming up on Sunday? And so I would imagine, I know that practice-wise, I'm sure, you know, obviously Willie Gay returned to the field. I'm sure they're, they're getting him ready to go, but you're, you're, you've been off for, for four weeks. So how effective can you be in this game? And I think you can be. It's just a matter of um, will the entire run-stopping unit be effective for Kansas City? Well, they get McDuffie. That's a good point. Um, that's a good point that we haven't really talked about is the Chiefs should be the healthiest they've been on defense in forever, right? Like this is yeah. this is the time for them. And again, I think we're talking me into going to getting a little action on that under, uh, under 49, because I think it's possible. And, you know, we, we could definitely – we could definitely see this game just be an ugly slop fest. Look, they went under 49 last week against against Buffalo, right? Like, that was 24 to 20. Remember? There was a time, and the Chiefs, this is an interesting dynamic. I remember, and I don't remember if it was two years ago or three years ago, whenever it was, that, man, the Chiefs under was just, like, almost a lock because they were better defensively than they got credit for, and everyone just only focused in on that offense. I think the offense is still evolving and if healthy I think the defense is ready to make a statement and this just could be one of those situations and the other part of it is we know the Niners would you know be happy to play that game right uh, ugly close um whatever it is game because they want to run the ball as much as anything else and what scares me about the Chiefs is how they've been not only just gashed in the running game but the big plays they've given up to wide receivers lately, and they're in a better player in football at running after the catch than Debo Samuel. Like, that does scare me. I have plenty of fear in this game for the Chiefs. It's it's just the line is so close. If if I'm thinking about it as a pick I think the Chiefs can win it, right? And if it's within a field goal, I mean, maybe the money line is the play, but I, I just, I don't know. I have a hard time finding them losing two games, but they're fully capable of it. And and I think Chelsea was on to something. I think the books are begging us to bet the Chiefs. We talked about at the very beginning of the season, after the first week or two, about how the the makeup of this Kansas City team is is a little bit different and how it's it's no longer um, the offense running away with it and the defense hanging on by a thread. Um, and then you have injuries and you have suspensions and the the defense as a whole uh you you've lost some of your firepower most of that firepower if not all of that firepower is back this week or at least should be back this week and so you would think that this allows the preseason identity of Kansas City to come through again for the first time in probably a month uh so i anticipate it wouldn't surprise me one bit that we see a solid effort from the defense after a couple of weeks of not having very good games, you know, having uh, the, the bills absolutely gash you having the Raiders absolutely gash you come back and have a solid outing against the 49ers and the offense do what they need to do to win. I think that that, I think that this gets you back to kind of what your original identity of this team was. And this is a, a perfect opportunity to do so. After, after seeing the struggles that the 49ers defense had last week against Atlanta. 
It's it's an opportunity. We'll pick it in just a few minutes. That's coming up. We have Trey Wingo at the top of the next hour. Let's take a break, and we'll get in Matt Hamilton of Catch It Kansas and catchkansas.com to talk about the high school football week. We're going to move that up a little bit to get Wingo in at the top of the hour. So we'll go high school football to wrap up hour number one. That's coming up next on Sports Daily. Chad, I'll let you call him. We'll we'll pause on voicing the spots until later. Yep. Leon KFH. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily right here on KFH. It is the fall postseason all across the board. It's almost the fall postseason for high school football. We have one more week of the regular season left. We welcome in Catch Kansas executive producer Matt Henderson. And Hendo, I jumped the gun last week. We are now in the final week of the regular season. We've made it. Uh, We've brackets made it. are Brackets are are just. I know you're just itching to get those brackets out tonight. And what what are the biggest? What, what's some of the biggest storylines to watch here? Most of this, I would assume, is already settled out, but there will still be some significant things decided tonight. Yeah, it's like you. We have an idea for the most part of who's going to host, at least for the higher seeds. Um, but it's like those matchups, kind of from the six to twelve range for each class. Like those ones, like there, they're going to be make for, for the uh, more compelling uh, first round matchups. Those are the ones we're kind of watching for. Maybe some host sites still to be deter- to, to, still to be determined. So uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun still to uh, watch tonight to kind of like really get an eye on see what exactly is going to happen. One of the games, um, and I don't even know how much this impacts the postseason, but just from a, a pure viewing perspective, a pure excitement perspective, Northwest Manhattan has to be the game, you know, featuring the two teams trying to make the biggest statements that we have on the slate. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about this one right here because Manhattan is uh they I mean they've been beating everybody. I mean they're the only team to beat Hayes this year, uh only team to or to uh or one of the two teams that has beaten Derby this year. That went over Junction City, who we saw beat Bishop Carroll, was they beat them forty-four to seven. So it's like that Manhattan team is very good, but Northwest is just playing like an animal right now. Like the week one loss they had to Bishop Carroll, they have since then won each of the next six by an average of more than fifty points a game, and they just look like they're just playing another on another level. And it would not stun me in the least to see them go up there and actually beat Manhattan this week. Well, and it's interesting too, right? Because Northwest is a team that we've seen come so close so many times. They lose early, but is this a year we could see Northwest legitimately contend again for a state title? I mean, I don't see why not. Like, they are very at least on the west. The west side is going to be because Manhattan Northwest. You have also have to. You can't forget Derby and. Uh, Garden City's looked very good this year. They're going to be a higher seed up there, so they're just a one loss for the bus this year. But like that Northwest rushing attack with uh, L.J. Phillips and Sincere Thompson, neither have a whole lot of carries to their name either, so they're going to remain mostly fresh just because of how they do that offense. Uh, Michael Lopez has been tearing it up as one of the best receivers around in the area. 
with Jace Glasper getting him the ball and Glasper able to take off on his own. So it's like their their attack has been very good. It's, we'll see how their, de- their defense has been very good against the lesser competition. So we'll see how that holds up. Like that's the one biggest question mark is our team's going to go back to that Bishop Carroll thing, see how Carroll was able to complete that 30-point comeback and be like, all right, so here's what we have to do. It's interesting. City League matchups this week are really good. Um, at the top end, you get Carroll and East. I'm curious to see if East can, you know, surprise us with a win at home. And then Capen and Heights are sort of in the same, you know, same ballpark right now. But if you're a City League fan, this is a pretty good week. Yeah, it's built up really well. Like uh, East actually has a chance to quench a share of the G Wall title tonight if they can get that win. And so East, like, wow. they've been kind of very quiet with doing it. But, yeah, they're still 4-1 and in, in uh, league play. Carroll's 5-0. and oh. Northwest has their season over at 5-1. and one. So if East is able to pull off that win night, you have a three-way tie for first. If not, Carroll wins it outright. And then that Cape and Heights game you mentioned, that's like, I mean, Cape and dropping to 3-4 and four last week, but they've, they've played a difficult schedule. Heights 4-3. and three. So that one right there is one you could look at and say, like, all right, so some playoff positioning could be decided there. Or we could be looking at Capen, who last year nearly made it stake, starting with a road game or having, having basically played on the road the whole the entire way to uh, get back to that point. Well, let's take us outside the city league now. What are some other metro games, some small school games that have your interest that uh, interest that might mean a little extra tonight as we get ready for the playoffs next week? Well, and within the city, Wichita Collegiate, they have they have not yet clinched their district title yet. They uh, play at Heston tonight, so they they do have to win that game. Heston is they're both three and zero in district play. Heston's five and two overall. They have a one of the best uh, quarterbacks you haven't watched him around. Hudson Perales, he's a great thrower, and so we'll see how Collegiate is able to do in that game. They should be picked to win, but Heston can surprise them, especially at home. So that's what we're watching for. Uh, and they'll I don't expect any major problems, but Pratt is a very good team, six and one this year. Teeny beat them this year, so and Ando has to go to Pratt, so they have to win that to definitely uh, quench the outright championship for their district as well. Should be a lot of fun. Okay, so tonight's a big night for Catch It Kansas. Uh, what happens on these nights? I'll give everybody a little inside baseball. Uh, we all <laughs> oh, get man. everything going, and then Hendo is back there putting these brackets together, and it is a monster task, but it is one of every single year the most popular and sought out things that Ketchup Kansas does so get the Ketchup Kansas app go to ketchupkansas.com whatever it is as soon as the man we're talking to right now Matt Henderson can physically build those brackets out so as soon as long as it takes to do that get the calculations put it up those brackets go up so make sure you're checking for that these brackets Hendo are a monster but it's what people want and I mean, you'll you'll get them there as soon as you can, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny how it works because, like, you know, in the past, Keisha has held off kind of been steadfast, and, like, they say brackets will be released by Saturday at 10 a.m., but I feel like they're seeing so many other media properties, including Gadget Kansas, like, kind of try to beat them to the punch, get the calculations right themselves. So Keisha will even have their people up throughout the night make to, getting those posted as well just to make sure they have everything straight up and accurate. And that's kind of the fun part is like really trying to figure out, all right, so these calculations, sometimes you have coin flips, so you kind of have to like, like just put the, the word or in there. You're like, all right, so we don't yeah. actually know this one yet. And so it's like people are like are so desperate. They want to know, especially you know, coaches want to know, get some prepared. 
and then they have to get like all the dates set, make sure that everybody's at host, see if anybody has to post a Thursday game. So there's a lot to goes into these nights, and it's a lot of uh, moving parts and not a whole lot of time. All right. Well, Endo, appreciate it. It's a big night. It's a busy night. Catchitkansas.com, the free Catch at Kansas app for all the brackets and the game stories. We'll, of course, have all the highlights on 12 News tonight at 10 o'clock and then on the Catch at Kansas show at 1035 on the KSCW. Uh, get your energy drinks rolling, Endo. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Jacob. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Trey Wingo joins us. Top of the next hour. I think there's plenty of NFL storylines to get into since the last time we talked to Trey Wingo. Tommy will rejoin us. We'll have Wingo. We'll make picks in the second hour. Here we go. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.